Coming up on Money Beats Friday, financial food fight. The market's churning. How much weight should you put on the churn? And also Twitter unveils live streaming NFL games. Did they score a touchdown? This is Money Beats. Everything you need to know about money and the markets and then some. Now, financial food fight. Welcome to the Food Fight, everybody. Paul Vigna, air guitar playing, Stephen Grosser on my right. I have to say, it's like our, our I was theme right. song is growing on it, me. You were, really, you were into it that into time. It. You were into it. Aaron Kurloff was Aaron was, Kurloff? Fought, was air base. You were air basing. Absolutely. I I, we're on the other side of the control panel. I couldn't even see what you were doing there. Well, it's, Very it's an electric base. It's oh, not oh. an upright. And uh, Chuck Jaffe, as always from Market Watch, called in. Breathing Chuck. air. You were breathing <laughs> air. All right. So we're all into the theme song. Uh, what else are we into? Hey, uh, folks, let's let's talk about. It. We like to hash things out here on the food fight. We like to have a little round table in case you're you're not familiar with the the format. We pick a couple topics and just hash them out and. Uh, you know, look, the markets were really boring all summer. They are not boring anymore. No, uh, decidedly unboring for a couple of days, and then eh, you know, back to sort of like non-boring times. It seems forty-three like. straight sessions, I believe, without a one percent move in either direction. In either direction, yeah. Over the summer, and four tranquil. now four of the last five days, not including today, uh, we've had one percent. Right, and, and today you're seeing another sell-off in yep. the market. Yep. Uh, a, a lot of churn, clearly a lot of churn. Uh, what's driving it and how concerned should we be? Um, uh, the, well, I think what started on Friday was after the ECB uh, disappointed some investors by not expanding stimulus efforts. And that um, sparked a, a government bond sell-off that uh, really seemed to precipitate the uh, the tip-off in equities. Um, uh there's central banks this week, uh, obviously, with, or next week, rather, with the BOJ and, the, um, and you know, the Fed here. Right, right. Um, and uh, the, the investors I've talked to said this is a, a sort of confusion, mixed signals uh, situation with central banks. Nobody's really sure what to expect. So we've seen some erratic movements in things that are interest rate sensitive, like utility shares and financials and stuff like that. I mean, it seems to me that like last week we were all about, oh, this is the, just the Fed. this is the Fed, it was Brainerd speech, everyone. But in reality, this was much more. I think you know the conversation that has been taking place for a couple of years, if not you know the last few months, are central banks running out of powder? Mm-hmm. Um, right. And right. you, because you also you not only had uh, the ECB sort of disappointing the market, you also had. The Wall Street Journal had a story just about how the BOJ might be running out of bonds to buy. <laughs> right. Um, well, and and beyond that was a was there was the the other story about the bank how divided the Bank of Japan is now. Yeah. yeah. Over no, what direction to go. I mean, like, so now you're talking about and look, we, we've seen this a little bit in the Fed, much more so now apparently in the Bank of Japan, where they are now having serious questions about. How much policy is too much? How what what is effective? Uh, you had Abe talking about it. You know, like they're having a they're, I don't want to say crisis because that that's kind of a big word. They're having a serious rethink. Well, I mean, negative let's, rates let's say that negative rates didn't work. Yeah, I mean, for them, right. I mean, like their goal was to weaken the yen. It yeah. didn't weaken the yen. Yeah. yeah. 
Also, yeah. well, it really had the opposite effect, right? It, it freaked people out. Yeah, yeah. And and they also like they, that you know they first went to negative rates back. I think it was in January, or early February, when the markets were in upheaval and people were piling into safety, and that meant the end. Yeah, right. Um, there's also Wall Street thinks they're going to move to from monetary stimulus to fiscal stimulus, but in Japan, according at least in our story today, according to uh, yeah, I mean, they were taking their debt problem very seriously, and the idea that they're going to pile in a bunch of debt. To do fiscal stimulus seems like kind of a wishful thinking. Yeah, but it's also all still short-term noise. I mean, great, so we've had more days when we've seen a 1% move, but it's just a 1% move, and it's been fairly directionless. I mean, it's yeah. it, it feels right, like something right. because we went so long without anything, but it's a day with a percent and a little bit more here, and then it's a day with a percent. I mean, you still don't have any of the things to make the bull market take off or to make the bull market end. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's true. I mean, if you looked at like uh, if you looked at both the, the S&P 500 and Dow, they were down about a 1.5% um, through t- yeah, through last night, uh, yesterday's close. And But the Nasdaq was up a bit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it sort of shows that directionlessness. Right. Well, and look, next week, you you mentioned it, Aaron, you have the two central bank meetings. You have the, the Bank of Japan on Tuesday, the Fed Tuesday and Wednesday, and the Fed's decision will be Wednesday. That's that's the immediate thing. Uh, you know, a little bit longer term, and I think this is something that, that is, is starting to become a little more prominent as a, a concern for investors, is the election in, in less than two months. Um, you know, you talk about fiscal stimulus, uh, both of them have talked about it. But who knows what will actually happen? Who knows what the policies – you know, like people are starting to kind of take – you know, Labor Day's over. This is – are we starting to – is the election starting to become an issue for the markets? Um, sorry, Chuck, what are you saying? Well, I, I don't know. I don't think it's actually becoming an issue for the market, but it is an issue for Americans as they view the market. Bankrate.com okay. came out with a survey this week, their financial security index, where – more than 60% of Americans, and by the way, completely agnostic to gender, political party, whatever, every demographic group that they looked at said that 60% or 60% of the respondents said that the presidential election poses the biggest near-term threat to the economy. So wow. people are nervous, and the funny side is, regardless of the policies, which we don't know about, this is... Maybe they answered the question wrong, but if it's near term being six months, anything that we're going to see out of the election that's truly serious, that is long lasting, other than whatever knee jerk you get in the 48 hours to 72 hours after the actual vote, is not going to come to roost in the next six months. No. Hmm. No. And well, it's funny. You say people are worried about the election hurting the economy. I mean, on the other hand, you just said people are talking about when when is fiscal policy going to take over for monetary policy. Right. So, I mean, those two things go completely against each other. <laughs> um, yeah, indeed. And also, uh, I mean, as a trader said to me this week, like, eight, eight weeks is an eternity. I mean, all oh, kinds of stuff happens right. between now and then. And uh, it's not like the market's got Brexit right, right? Everyone everyone rallied into Brexit thinking, oh, we, we totally know what's going to happen here and what the consequences are going to be, um, which is one of the things that exacerbated that two-day sell-off afterward. Mm-hmm. But it was a two-day sell-off. Absolutely. And, and I mean, here, you know, it's funny because you can look at history, and it's not that history repeats itself, but it does kind of hum the same tune. And... 
election years typically pretty good. You're not likely to see that overturned. They tend the the time following immediately following elections tends to be a little bit worse with Republicans because historically they've tried to put in all of their most painful policies as quickly as they can, whereas it's a little bit longer in the tooth for Democrats who wait a little bit longer and stretch that out. But none of this is anything that would make you say, oh, let me get defensive. And yet it's not just that it's 60 percent of Americans saying it poses the biggest threat. It's that like terrorism is only 12% of Americans think that poses the biggest threat. And a destabilizing event, an election is not really ever going to be a destabilizing event, even if you get Trump voted in, it's still not going to be considered a destabilizing event like a terrorist attack would be. So that's part of the interesting side, too. Five times as many people think the election could mess up the economy in the next six months. Yeah. Well, and, and again, it's, it's, it's short-term, long-term, right? I mean, for Brexit... The the vote was surprising. The result of the vote was surprising. You had the big sell-off. And then, you know, you had a rally, and now people are saying, well, look, it didn't even affect us. They haven't even started. <laughs> I mean, you know, short-term, long-term, right? They have not even started. And what is that going to mean in the long-term for Europe, for the EU? You know, like, the the ramifications of that are still to be felt. The ramifications of this, of this election, I mean— Whomever is the winner will not take the oath of office until January. You know, what are they going to do in their first 90 days, six months, year? Long term, it's, it's going to be a while before you know what the effect of this election is going to be. Um, yeah, but it, meanwhile, everybody gets ramped up because it's all they can talk about. It's right. All, you see, it's 24-7. We are in full-on election mode, and it's only going to get ramped up from here. I, mean, I, I seriously wondered when I talked to the bank rate folks, like, if you guys take this right before Election Day, Will we be at 80 percent? Yeah, right, right. Well, we will find out. We will find out. Hopefully nobody is changing their portfolio just because they're nervous. All right, let's take a little break. Come back on the other side. We're going to talk some some tech and football. Hi, this is Jason Gay, sports writer at the Wall Street Journal, and I have a podcast called Free For All. And guess what? It's not just sports. We'll also talk about some real estate, some music, some culture, some fashion. I could talk about fashion. It's the Free For All. Become a subscriber on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at WSJ Podcasts, and check us out at WSJ.com slash podcasts. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Food Fight. Aaron Kurloff, Chuck Jaffe, Stephen Grosser, and Paul Vigny here with you. Uh, let's spend just a, just a couple of minutes talking about tech stocks in general because they've been one of the market's uh, bright stars. And, and the brightest of those bright stars in particular has been really hot this week, which is Apple. Yeah. Um, really hot. Uh, so uh, I had some stats in my head because I was writing about this for tomorrow's paper. But Apple, uh, best four-day streak in two years. Uh, the only Dow stock that didn't sell off on Tuesday when the market mm. was down 1.5%. And according to S&B Dow Jones indices through Thursday was responsible for, uh, a, like, without Apple, the S&P tech sector is 1.5% gain with something like 0.4% or something. Wow. Much, much smaller. And, and again, really interesting. So they, they have their press conference. They announced the new iPhone, the new version of the watch, the, the cordless earbuds, whatever. It, it, a lot of gener- generates a lot of talk, a lot of activity. Everyone gets all fired up. And they're kind of saying, oh, uh, is that it? Is it really a new phone? Is it uh, the feature? Yeah. 
so the initial response was kind of, to, to, I think, well, negative. Yeah, it sold off. Right. Five percent. Five percent. Right. And the expectation, which is interesting, too, because the expectation coming into this, I mean, it wasn't like this was a well-guarded secret. Yeah. Everyone mm-hmm. knew that this was not going to be a brand new, you know, completely revamped phone. This was going to be a slight update to Valley Phone 6. <laughs> And that's what they did, and yep, yep. it sold. And but then it had a pretty, you know, decent sell-off in the two days that followed the meeting. Although one of those was the Friday, but the interesting thing was the, you know, the the pre the T-Mobile Sprint coming out with the pre-sale data that showed that it was performing very well, and uh, markets got excited. Well, yeah. of course, it was also before you had the recall of the competition's phone. Because it was blowing up, <laughs> and, and I just did, literally, I just did an interview literally, before, right, right before we we started doing this. I was talking to Brian Peary from the Hennessy Funds out in California, and he happened to mention Apple. It's in an interview that's going to air on on my podcast on Monday, and one of the things he said was that all of the noise that you're getting will kind of mute things for right now. Uh, because people are confusing what's important to the market with what's important to people who love Apple and are sort of junkies on Apple products. And he says the next quarter is the one where you're really going to see, like, wow. The, he, he thinks the numbers for Apple, you don't worry about what's happening now, but the next quarter was when the real payoff comes. Wow. All right. Well, we'll see about that. Listen, let's, let's switch gears. Let's talk about a little hashtag NFL. There you go. We'll, we'll, steal, uh, we'll steal a little theme music from our, our uh, compatriots over at Fox there. Uh, who watched the Jets-Bills game on Twitter last night? I watched some of the Jets-Bills game on Twitter. Yeah. I, I watched less than some. I watched some <laughs> if you define, like, four minutes to go, okay, that's it, and then that was it. But did, did you watch it on Twitter? And that's the real thing here, because last night— Twitter uh, unveiled the first of its sort of live streaming features, which was the Jets-Bills game, which was on CBS here locally. It was on NFL Network, but it was also on Twitter. And I watched, I actually watched a fair amount of it. And I have to say, I, I thought what Twitter did, I, the way they presented it, I thought was great. I uh, thought it was great. It was it was clean. It was an HD broadcast. It was high-def broadcast. It was exactly what CBS was showing. The commercials were different, but it, 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 was, it was well done. It was one of the first things I think Twitter's done in a long time that they actually they got right. And well, a way for them to monetize things with those different commercials. Well, you hope, right? I mean, I'd love to... I, offhand, I don't know what the details of the, the package are. I'd love to know how much they're getting for that and what they paid. Um, I'll note that as someone who has watched a fair bit of NFL... Uh, mobile video efforts over the over the over the years as an ex NFL reporter, um, this was a very smooth presentation. You pushed the the button to play the right. video, and it kicked right up. I mean, uh, NFL is a, you know takes a lot of data to transport mm-hmm. those HD images and stuff, um, and it went right into it. And uh, you know, I, I'm not sure that a mid early season Jets Bills game is the <laughs> ideal, ideal way to do you know to uh, debut any NFL product, uh, especially with those two teams and the condition they're in. But uh, um, it, you know, in terms of the technology and the ability to actually do the broadcast, it was. I agree. It was yeah. impressive. 
It was. Now, now here's the, the, you know, so, okay, look, the question is, is can they monetize it and to what a degree? The other question is, and, and this goes exactly to the gentleman sitting on my right, Stephen Grosser, when I asked you today, hey, did you watch the game on Twitter? What was what was your answer to that? I have a large TV, <laughs> well, and I pay a lot of mo- money a month yeah. to have content streamed on it. See, these are yeah. things that management says. <laughs> I have a large right. TV. Right. Meanwhile, I'm like, oh, I can watch it on Twitter. Some of us can. Yeah. Oh, oh, this this is coming from the guy with season tickets to the Giants because that's free. Yeah, I'll be there Sunday. Uh, so anyway, but you, so yeah, you, you didn't watch it at all. On no, didn't even think about it. No. No desire to. No desire. No. Yeah. But for all the things that you stream in, I mean, the fact is with that that big TV of yours, you don't, like, put your computer up so that you could put whatever you wanted so that you could watch, you know, YouTube on your big television as well. So you you just, I mean. Right. Do you do that? Oh, yeah. You do. Yeah. And in in fact, to be perfectly honest, I I buy DirecTV Sunday ticket on mobile and connect it to my TV and watch uh, because I'm a New England fan living in Brooklyn and I want to watch the Patriots uh, every weekend, so that's how I do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and and that works, you know, very well. And yeah, I watch you know everything from Hulu, Amazon, Netflix on you know the big TV. See, and that's ultimately the issue. Now, I I saw it, I did watch it on Twitter, but that's because of where I was and who I was with and and out with friends, and that's why I also only watched it for a minute or two. Yeah, but that ultimately that last part there is the question of. You know, for all that we think of Twitter and what have you, is it actually where people are going to turn when they have any sort of option? And that's a, an interesting question. Right, right. That is an interesting question. But I mean, like you said, Aaron, it was very clean and easy to to go onto Twitter and play, hit the button and watch it in HD. On yeah. I was watching it on my computer, so I had it on my computer screen. Mm-hmm. But I mean. It, it it was not it was not a difficult proposition at all. No, but, I mean the, the, one of the things I've found in streaming a lot of things from a mobile device to your TV and stuff like that is it's not as good as watching it through right. the cable box. I mean, it, you know, you have your standard you know problems that you have on um, on yeah. the internet well, and things and, like that, pausing, stopping, you know, um, and it's you know. So the, I think if you have an option between your TV and Twitter, you're you're, you're going to go with your TV for the most part. Well, right, and that's the thing. They have to make it as easy as turning on your TV and, and, and the quality and the picture. And the, right. I yeah. mean, that's the other thing, too. And, like, you know, I mean, and, and, and it I, sounds like they did a great job yeah, with Yeah, I think they did. I mean, when I first pulled it up, the first minute and a half, there were a couple of buffering issues. And I thought, oh, this if, the, if this buffers all night, it's going to be unwatchable. But it, once it, it buffered, it was just like watching it on my television downstairs. I mean, it really was. Yeah, I was watching on the TV, and I like Steve. I have the the Direct TV package, and you know, high quality images. Um, but uh, yeah, later, and I knew, I heard there were buffering problems, but I I came in later in the game when I turned off the TV and went to bed, and on a small mobile screen, uh, once the you know once the surge of enthusiasm maybe abated, the the images were great. Right. Let's uh, let's leave it there. So a win this week for Apple, a win for the Jets, a win for Twitter. All right, everyone, thank you for listening. We appreciate it, and have a great weekend, and we will see you next week. Love this show? Check out others by visiting wsj.com slash podcasts. See our full selection under programs.